Well, get your pen and paper ready, because I guarantee you're going to want to take notes during uh, today's podcast. Joining us uh, is a name that you will know from the music education community, who's done so much work in recruitment and retention and advocacy and so many more things. And she has some wonderful tips for your program. All on today's PMEA's Take Note Podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of PMEA's Take Note Podcast. I'm Mark Despedagas. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we have a, a wonderful uh, show for you today. Uh, about a month or so ago, I was uh, at a Bands of America event in uh, Indianapolis and got to see a wonderful friend of mine, and we just started talking. And all of these things just kept coming up, and I said, oh, you have to be on the podcast. This conversation should have been happening on the podcast. So... That's what we are doing here today. Uh, I'm delighted to welcome in uh, Marsha Neal. And if you've been in the music education space, you know Marsha, you know Marsha's work. Uh, if, if I started reading her resume, we would be here uh, for, for the length of the podcast. Uh, but President of Music Education Consultants, uh, Senior Director of Education for Yamaha Corporation of America, uh, was a music educator. Uh, I guess kind of always is a music educator, yeah. but was but worked in the in the public schools. Uh, was a NAFME division president uh, as well. So uh, talks the talk, walks the walk, and I'm so delighted to have her here, Marsha. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Mark. I really appreciate the invitation. It's good to be here. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, I just want to have let's just continue this conversation that uh, we had as we were in Lucas Oil Stadium about a month or so ago, just kind of about all things music ed, uh, because you're out there, you're you 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 get to travel and see what's happening uh, across the country. So, I'm I'm curious for kind of the the state of music education. You know, uh, what's the vibe? What are you seeing out there here in the fall of 2020? Well, it's kind of interesting. There are so many facets to music education that we could go off into. Um, however, the big discussion right now, of course, is the the crisis with a teacher shortage. So that is one thing. But I'll get to that in a minute. I just wanted to say that, you know, after going through this pandemic and all, I almost hate to bring it up, but, you know, just to kind of get us off of that. Um, I have never been so impressed with the numbers of performing ensembles that I have seen uh, through the MFA uh, competitions that have been going on this past fall. You know, you think we are going to come back a little bit slowly and kind of get into this, but a vast majority of performing ensembles, and I've heard, I bet, 400 bands, marching bands over the past month and a half and they are phenomenal. They have come back roaring. I mean, some of the very best performances I've ever seen. And it's almost as, as, as if it's like a vengeance, like we're gonna show you, we are back. And certainly right now is a time for everybody to say, hey, take your time, roll back in. If you need to rebuild, take your time to do that. You do not need to be doing grade six literature, five, four, three, do whatever works for you at this time. Uh, however, I think there was just such zest about being back, making music with your friends and and having those experiences of the whole is better than the sum of its parts. I, I totally believe this. But I know that the big other issue hanging out there is what about the fact that we've lost so many educators 
And uh, that is of a great concern to me and to many of us who are people in the profession who are looking at it from the 30,000 foot view, what's going to happen to replace teachers who have left. And it's not just music. It's, it's across all of the subject areas in public school, and it may even exist at university. I'm not quite sure, but definitely in our public school sector. Um, I have a philosophy about music making and uh, teaching, and that is, is that, you know, music education is really all about what's best for kids. And, and my philosophy is that if we're teaching music making and the joy of music making, that that's really where it is. And whether it's a band or choir or orchestra or guitar or mariachi or a modern band or, or percussion ensemble or any other, I don't care what kind of music making it is. It's all about the music making and the joy of it that it brings to all of us when we do it. That's what creates joy in everyday life. That's what keeps my blood pressure down when I'm trying to take my blood pressure and I listen to an Andre Previn uh, jazz recording or something like this. It just makes me happy. And my life is so fulfilled because music is in it. And if we can do for kids what music does for us, well, what else can we do? I mean, that's really, I think, the end all and be all that we create in kids the opportunity to have happy lives down the road because they had this experience of music making. So I guess I have to take it from there. And, and I really would wish for all educators to not take their job quite so seriously where it's all about, I've got to get a superior rating or I have, I mean, I know that's important to you and I know kids like to compete and be the best, but let's do it knowing that it's the hardest work we'll ever do. That's the most fun we'll ever have. Right. Uh, we're going to come back to that point okay. a, a little bit later, but I, I want to kind of talk about let's like process wise here. Right. Okay. So, um, so we talk about the, you know, the teacher shortage, we talk about then engaging kids, even before the pandemic, you have done a lot of work in the area of recruitment and retention. Yes. Um, and some of the work you've done and the work with the music achievement council, which if you're not familiar with that, check that out, because it's just incredible resources there. Um, but recruiting and retention seems to also be one of those topics that are are pretty high up on the list of concerns for music educators. Um, so Again, you've been you've worked in that space a good bit. What are some tips and thoughts you would have uh, for folks now? Because yeah, we're in the fall, but kind of aren't you always recruiting? Yes, twenty four seven, twelve months a year. You know, you sleep right. it. I mean, in fact, I think a lot of students will will get become involved in programs simply because they see this happy person and that happy face and all of that, and and they like, I want to be around somebody like that. You know, and so I think that personality that you develop as a teacher is something that should be seen by young people as early as possible. So, for example, if I am a, a middle school band director and I am bringing students in from the elementary school for the first time, and even if you're teaching upper elementary and bringing students in, you know, from the primary grades, it's really important for us to reach out to the kids as young as possible, I mean, start doing programs at the elementary school, no matter what level you teach, 
when they're in kindergarten, first grade, second grade. And, and you have to show an excited group of kids having a lot of fun and making it fun. For example, one, one recommendation I would make is that if you're going to go to the elementary school and do a, a program, an assembly, which of course schools really appreciate, a free assembly, comfort the kids and bring them all in. And what you would do is bring in your ensemble and you conduct away. And then during the program, you might turn around to all these young people and say, who would like to conduct a band? Well, how many hands do you think are going to go up? Right. Every single one, Everyone. right? So you choose one. Okay. So this kid comes down. You have to choose a piece for them to conduct that's going to, if they start up like this, that's where it starts, right? <laughs> so the kids have to be able to, to go. But even if the kids are bouncing around and just acting crazy and having a great time until it's over, the song is completed. Every single young person in that auditorium or in that gymnasium is going to want to be that kid at that moment. And that's how we start. And so then as they progress on the next year comes, they'll go, oh, I remember, I want to be that kid. So if you can get to the point where the students see how much fun it could be, that's one example. Um, if you are, for example, trying now to start kids off in instrumental music for the or, be, or choir even and any any music making experience um, at their first ensemble level so they're coming out of the elementary general classroom into an ensemble for example one of the uh, tricks that we have used in our school district is to take the example that athletes use when athletes sign with a college team, how they bring, you know, mom and dad in together and there's a table and they put on the cap and they sign to go play football for XYZ University. They make it a big deal. So that's what we did. And we decided that we would take that model with our elementary teachers actually working with the students who are at the beginning or maybe even intermediate level program at the next level. And so there's a little, uh, oh, it's so like a little news program. And now we're going to have the students from XYZ uh, elementary school who are going to be featured coming into their new program at the middle school. And so now you have a young man coming in with his saves clarinet and he hands off his clarinet to this new player and says welcome to the program the music program the band program at xyz mozart middle school we're so glad you're here just sign here and the student signs here then the young person gives them a t-shirt or some other kind of thing with the name of that school on it and you see everybody applauding mom and dad are there the music teacher is applauding and there's all of this folly roll about the student just signing to be in the program at the next level. So what this also does, and it's something that it's a proponent of something that I think is very important, and that is peer-to-peer uh, -peer recruitment and, right. and retention, in fact, also. So, for example, the more you can engage your current students in retention or recruitment, the better. Because then they get buy even more buy-in into your program because they're responsible for helping you with recruitment. But also... The young people coming into the program want to be like the older kids. I mean, I can remember when I was in junior high, I wanted to be like a senior high kid. When I was in elementary, I wanted to be like a, a middle school student. So I was always looking up to the older kids. And this is a great way to use that whole thing to bring kids into the program, no matter what you're teaching. So make it a fun activity. Start when they're really, really young. And think about how you can use your current students to recruit the new ones. And in fact, 
as I said, because they get the buy-in, that also helps to retain them. And one more quick thing you might want to do with your beginning students, this the kids you already have, is to have them develop uh, with your uh, assistance a uh, like a maybe a portrait or some kind of a poster that says, um, I love being in the Mozart Middle School orchestra program. And then a little quote from the student on there that says something like, just do it. It's so much fun, like a quote and a picture of the student. Now start popping those up all around those elementary schools so that the students can see what kinds of faces that they will be working with when they come to the next level. So I think it's really all about peer-to-peer -peer and making it fun and having a good time, not just playing a, a solemn concert that may be perfect in every way. And, you know, I, I would even say, okay, I mean, those are all incredible tips, but there's another tip that was embedded in there that you didn't explicitly state, but, but I think is important to remember that music teachers also have to be in that peer-to-peer -peer network. You can't be siloed in your discipline. You can't be siloed in your grade level or whatever it is. It's because we're all in this together, right? We all want more music makers. That's the goal. Right. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen high school band directors not know, or, or any director first say, not know who the elementary person right. is that your kids are coming from. So it's, it's almost, you know, I tell you, when you think about the fact that these people are sending students to you, eventually they're going to land up with you. I don't know why you would not want to spend time getting to know them better. And, and one of our, our really smart, um, I, call, I would say, what would you call this? Not a silo, certainly, but like a triangle, um, a pyramid like um, here in Clark County is Foothill High School has something called uh, the Hill. And what the Hill is, is exactly that. It's all the schools that are in the elementary, all the middle schools, and then Foothill High School. And there's this whole The Hill Arts Program. You want to become involved in the arts at The Hill. And it's it's like almost like going to Washington, D.C., you know, <laughs> going to The Hill. I'm going to do it. And kids know about that from the time they're little kids. And, and that is really huge. So those teachers see each other on a regular basis. Um, they get together maybe... Um, you know, on a Friday afternoon and hang, but it's really important that they get to know each other. Well, I agree. Yeah. So, and yeah. if you're maybe on each other's concerts, so mom and dad get to start to see sure. who, who these people are, you know, and, and perhaps the high school kids would uh, hand out programs at the middle school concert and the middle school kids would do the same for the elementary. So, I mean, as much interaction as possible, but it's really, I think I said right off the bat, they need to see that face, that happy face, because everybody wants to be around someone who looks like they're having a good time. And mom and dad will feel that they can entrust their students to someone that they somewhat know because they've seen them over the years. And particularly if, this, if your students dress in their attire when they're doing these things, because then mom and dad see, boy, I want my son to be just like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So excellent, excellent points. Uh, there are some great takeaways. So let's go back to a point you made uh, when we were first started talking about um, this, this, sometimes there in programs, there's this thing that, you know, we have to get a superior rating. We have to make it to Midwest or we have to make it to Bands of America Grand Nationals, which that's all awesome. Those are all wonderful things to aspire to, but that, doesn't necessarily have to be the B-O-N doll because number one, I mean, the reality is not everyone has the resources to do those things. Um, and, and again, there's nothing wrong with that, but sometimes I think the mentality is 
that's what we have to do. That is the only thing that can be done. Um, so you, you hit on that earlier. So I'd like to go back and pick up on that a little bit more. Sure. I mean, what's do, how do we change that mindset? Well, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Okay. Here's my thought on that is that you should teach your students as if they're going to perform at Carnegie Hall. Okay. That doesn't mean the most difficult piece of music that exists on the planet. It means that they should be playing at the, the best possible level that they can at this time. You understand the difference there, right? So that's number one. They should understand what it is to be in an ensemble and that responsibility to the ensemble. Because if, if you're playing at a really good level um, and the students are performing well and they're performing the piece artistically, you know, with crescendos and decrescendos and, and, and lots of, of passion, they're eventually going to go from one level to the next level, to the next level, to the next level. But the worst thing that we can do for kids is to put something in front of them that they can't achieve because they simply don't have the skills yet. And so we have to teach them at their skill level and, and edge that up, push it up a little bit at a time and not be frustrated if you have a year that maybe it's not moving as quickly as it did the year before. I mean, sometimes that's going to happen. There are going to be days that are going to be much more difficult than other days. But so long as we are teaching like our hair is on fire, as somebody, somebody has said in the past, um, then, then that's what it's all about. I mean, the students need to be playing at the best possible top level that they can at this point. And we have to remember that it really is important that we teach skills. I mean, think about the fact that, you know, we're real, the music itself is kind of like, uh, oh, maybe the pot that we use to teach life skills. But, but in addition to life skills, music skills, fundamentals, good tone, breath support, blend, balance, all those musical skills, we should teach that at the highest level, but at a, a specific, you know, advancement level, not kicking off the top thing. And I, and, and might I say that younger teachers, this is one of the most frustrating things they have to deal with because they have just gotten out of college. Many of them um, are younger teachers and they've just finished playing collegiate level material. Blessed are they, or something like this. And of course they want to go out and teach high school and do exactly what they did in college right. or they want to, they came through programs where they maybe played at a very, very high level. And so they are assuming that their first, well, that their teaching job is going to be the same thing, but it's not. Typically, beginning uh, educators walk into situations where a lot of program building needs to happen. And as I tell young people, you know, don't try to do everything in one year. Let's let's work on some basic skills that drive the ensemble upward as you go, and you will build a program that will come at, at the top level eventually. But Let's not push it to the point where the kids are unhappy because they, they can't do it. It's beyond their skill level. So we must be aware of that. To any, to any young person who's a music ed student who's hearing this, I would say to you, the best thing you can do is learn how kids learn. So work on your pedagogy. Get out into a school. Teach beginning students. Find out where they're having the problems because beginning students have problems typically instrument to instrument, the same kinds of problems from uh, school to school, student to student. Um, and you may have other issues. You might be in a situation where you have a number of students who don't have the ability to afford an instrument. So how are you gonna deal with that? Well, there are a lot of funds out there. 
And, you know, Mark, you, you know what those are, and I'm sure you've done other podcasts where that is alluded to, but there are funds out there and it's a matter of reaching out to someone who's an experienced educator. You can get to me anytime you want um, to help you through those times and get over the hump because you will get over the hump. And when you get down the road four or five years and you kind of get more on autopilot and now you know how kids are learning and what the best way, you know, filling it in from the bottom and then punching up the top a little bit more every year, filling in the bottom and doing it. That's how it works. It doesn't happen all at the same time. So hang in there because it does get better. Don't leave. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think along those same lines is kind of the, this next topic area where if you look at some programs out there, you know, big name programs or many programs in your own community, you might look at them and say, boy, they don't have to advocate for their program because it just happens. They, you know, which, okay, you that look on your face, you know, and I know that's not how it is. That's not right. the reality. Um, some people think that, boy, I have to advocate for my program all the time and I have to go pound my fist on somebody's desk, which I think is what a lot of people think advocacy is, which it is not. Uh, so I'm wondering then what your thoughts are kind of on how to be always advocating for your program uh, so that hopefully you don't have to get to the pounding your fist moment. Uh, so, so what's what, you know, because those programs, my point there is those programs that you think are not advocating for themselves are probably the ones advocating for themselves more than anyone else. So your thoughts. Well, I got a lot of thoughts here. And that is, is that, you know, you should be a live advocate all the time when you're, when I you like that, a live advocate. I like that. You are. I mean, when people see you, they go, oh, there's Mark Despotakis. He's he's great. I mean, he's got that whole Pennsylvania thing spinning around on a plate. You know, I mean, people think that because you advocate all the time, not because you don't advocate. I mean, when you see some of the best directors out there, you know, they're really good because they've been advocating and they, you see them doing it constantly. Um, for example, I think I think fear is a big thing because people hear that word advocacy and they think they need to call a senator or something like that. And right. so let's get rid of all of that right now. Right. And advocacy starts with you talking about how valuable music education is in the lives of children. That's that's key. And how can you do that? Well, my gosh, we're out in the public all the time. We're, we're doing performances. We have we have uh, even within the school day you should make your program seen and not the best kept secret because, you know, how far away are we from the office? usually as far as you could possibly be because we are the noisy people. So they, the performing arts center is as far away from the main office as possible. So what do you do? You have to bring your kids up to the main office. Are your kids performing within the school? What are they doing? Um, could you have little groups going out and sing, hopping in on a teacher's birthday and just oh, throwing the door open and singing happy birthday? Even if it's a little fifth grader going in and singing happy birthday to Mrs. Jones, who's teaching an English class or math class. I mean, think how wonderful that would be just to raise the level of morale in a school building by recognizing a teacher on their birthday. So number one, it's that teacher will be just thrilled, number one. Number two, all those kids who are sitting in that classroom will go, whoa, I wish I could do something like that. It's just, I mean, how else can your program be seen? You've got to be the centerpiece of your building. If you're a high school, in a high school program, uh, perhaps when your football team is out, one of the Friday nights, you guys could put together a um, maybe a, a little chili supper for the faculty. How about this? You ask all of your choir students to bring their favorite chili recipe. 
and you dump it all into a big pot, you heat it up, and then you invite the faculty to come and have a little chili supper before the game or at halftime of the big game of the year, bring in some bread. I mean, if there's nothing wrong with throwing everybody's chili in one pot. It tastes the same. Chili is chili. It's great. <laughs> and what does it do? The, the faculty is like, whoa, that's pretty nice. And the kids are serving. I mean, the students need to also understand that advocacy is part of their responsibility. And every time they see you walking through the hallways, wow, there's that music person and, and look how much they do for our school. Because it's not just about you and it's not just about your program. We need to be about what's good for kids, every kid in the building. And that's what's the most important thing. So there are tons of little things you can do. I just sent a note out to somebody, uh, some of our tips that we, we have a MSFQ, more to start, fewer to quit newsletter that goes out. And uh, this was one of the most recent tips is now that December is coming, pull together all of your leaders in your program and start deciding what activities are we going to do second semester. And one of them might be the week of uh, Valentine's Day is to schedule a uh, we love you faculty kind of a luncheon and it could be spaghetti and meatballs with salad and bread that kind of thing but bring the kids in and have the kids perform maybe be a choir student could sing and a band student could play and an orchestra person could play i mean whatever you have going on you know you could feature your students performing in the teacher's lunchroom that day and the kids and the teachers will love it the students will love it and and it'll be just a really great opportunity to spread the joy of music making in your building um another thing that we recommend is doing things in your community in addition to music making for example uh can you work in a kitchen and have your students uh, maybe passing out food or serving food to the homeless or working in a hospital. One year, uh, I had one of my uh, groups actually go to um, one of our hospitals in Clark County, work in the pediatric uh, ward to work with children. And they came back so fulfilled from doing that. And of course, the nurses and doctors in the hospital just loved it. And they would sing to the kids over the holiday time. So it was great. Go to senior nursing homes. Do There's just so much you can do to get the joy of music making out there. And the other thing about that is, is that when it comes to uh, getting things that you need for your program, I advocate that teachers, no matter what they teach in, in the arts, be right where somewhere within a five-year plan. So you would start, for example, by looking at your inventory and, and what do you really need? Now make a list and then start by saying, what do I really need most immediately? And then what can wait a couple of years and then kind of make your list. Now, how much money do you need every year to buy new music or, or folders or whatever it is that you need for your program? And you need to put that in instrument repair. But if you suddenly just go to the principal and say, I have to have you know, you're not, you're probably not going to get a lot of positive feedback, but if you do it thoughtfully and go to your superintendent or not superintendent, your supervisor in your building and explain, here's what we really need. There are kids coming up from the middle school. I don't really have enough of this or that to, for the program as I can see the growth coming and, and, and what, how can we work together to provide what we need to have a successful program? Boy, I'll tell you, as I was an administrator for 15 years, and when somebody came to me and asked me that kind of a question, as opposed to demand, I need this, 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 or I can't be teaching, it's a whole different setting. And you can find ways to make things work. So I would 
I just say advocate every single day by talking about your program. Smile. If you're smiling, walking through your through your hallways, you are advocating for your program. You are the advocate for the program. It's silent advocacy, but boy, it it screams volumes. And you know, just uh, uh, some of the buzzwords that we have used at the national level over the past few years is relentlessly positive. So that yep. just plays into it. If you're always staying positive, uh, that about your program and talking about it, uh, that's going to show people how wonderful it is. Yeah, we can't be nags because, you know, naggy people, right. you don't want your principal taking a left turn when he sees you coming up the hall. Exactly. Right. right. <laughs> well, Marsha, I, I have to tell you, I, you know, I just wish you had some energy and some ideas <laughs> to help people. I, you know, uh, <laughs> I mean, really, I just, you're, you're, you're incredible. I, I always thinking, uh, I wonder if you ever sleep because it's just, I mean, you 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 just have all these wonderful ideas and you've put so many of them into practice and you are so wonderful and willing to share that information, uh, with other people. So a quick Google search of Marsha, uh, will find yeah. some of her information and, and ways to contact her as well. And so, and so can I just also make another, uh, plug here? And that is that, um, you know, one, I'm always asked to make some comments to all of the parents who come to the, the Band of America events, you know, and, and I always tell them this. I always say, and I will share this with educators too. It's really, really important that we learn to say thank you and that we say thank you if we, if, if, to remember that if we have a great program, we have a program because it takes a village to have that program. It's not just you, it's not just kids, it's the parents. We need to thank parents for providing for their kids. We need to thank our principals for finding support to help the program grow. We need to tell our, have our parents tell our super, our superintendents and so forth. I'm so grateful that we have this program because it's done so much for my kids. Again, I must say, let's not be the best kept secret in the building. I think that's the key. We get so busy doing our job that we're not doing the full amount of job that we could do. So, you know, I know that we we're passionate about what we're doing, but let's remember to have fun and let's remember to tell everybody else about the good that we're doing. Yeah. So thank you so much uh, for welcome. sharing some of these thoughts today uh, and for My all pleasure. the work that you have done in music education. Uh, Marsha Neal, uh, and again, folks, Google her and you'll, you'll, you'll find a lot more of her tips and tricks out there. And, and uh, go to the Music Achievement Council website, sign up for that newsletter. Uh, with, and there's always recruiting retention tips. I, I mean, oh, again, tons. Yeah. I don't think I don't think the woman sleeps. She writes columns for <laughs> magazines. You've seen, yeah. So anyway. But, <laughs> Marsha, again, thanks for being thanks, with Chris. us. And to all of you, thank you for joining us on PMEA's Take Note Podcast. We will see you next time. And thanks to our sponsor, the Grove City College Department of Music.